Welcome to Finally Fearless, a podcast devoted to uncovering everything you never knew you needed to know when it comes down to your health and wellness. My name is Dr. Melissa Chofi, a physical therapist specializing in pelvic health. After working in traditional healthcare for four years, I grew disenchanted with the gimmicks and the garbage, scare tactics and scarcity mindset, and all the things that were being pushed on people to make them fear their bodies instead of actually using them to live the lives that they so deserve. This podcast will give you all the tools to demand a life worth living instead of sitting your best days out on the sidelines. We get really raw around here, so grab your headphones and let's jump right into today's episode. I say this a lot, and you've probably heard me say it before, and I'm sure I'm going to say it a lot more as this podcast goes on, but I am so privileged in knowing what I know and doing what I do in the career that I have, and it's very humbling when I hear clients' stories of what they're dealing with in the medical world with in regard to their pelvic floor issues, and I'm like, how do people not know this? And it makes me really, really upset when people are not educated about their bodies and what's going on in them and how they work and a full list of viable resources available to them. And they're just slapped with this diagnosis and it's kind of like, go with your, like, go with your Google search and look at all the things and then you know what happens when you go down the Google rabbit hole. I myself know how that is, and it's very scary at times. And I've been practicing for eight years. I feel like this is never going to get old, or like I should say instead, I'm never going to not be surprised by this. But every day, I am so surprised at how misguided we are, even when we go seek medical care and medical attention. And prolapse dealing with pelvic organ prolapse is no exception and it's just oh my god it's it upsets me so much because when you're not given a full list of resources available to you and things you can do about your your issue and what you're dealing with or even like a description of what that issue is when you're not given that that takes away power from your body and makes you feel like you're out of control of your life. At least I feel that way. When I was misdiagnosed or not given the full picture, I should say, about my cancer scare last year, I felt like I was so out of control in my own body. And I'm like, here I am living in this body and I don't know what's going on. Like, it's scary. It's so scary. And you're searching for answers and you don't really get clear answers or clear solutions right and this happens way too often in the pelvic health world I even in preparation for today's episode I was looking on a very popular institution or I should say well-known institutions website and they have all um, they have we'll go into the different kinds of prolapse but they have all these different pages on the different kinds of prolapse and what to do for them and not once did I see as a treatment option any 
form of pelvic floor rehab. Not once. It was wear your pessary, wait and see, which that sent me out like, oh my God, I hit the roof with that one. Wait and see what happens because that's a great option. So it's pessary, wait and see, or surgery. And only a couple of the four types of prolapse, only two of them, I think, maybe three, but not all of them. You know what the intervention was? Kegels. Of course it was, because of course it's Kegels, the only exercise you can do for your pelvic floor. If you've been hanging out with me for a while, again, I hope you (laughs) can sense the sarcasm in my voice, because Kegels alone are just not going to cut it. They're not going to cut it. If you don't go beyond Kegels, you're not getting the full picture. You're not getting the full treatment. And what was even worse was you can ask your physical therapist to show you how to do a Kegel. And I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you people? If you're doing colorectal surgery, if you're doing all these surgeries, these mesh surgeries to help with prolapse, how are you not telling people about pelvic floor rehab specifically? Because not all physical therapists understand how to rehabilitate the pelvic floor. We don't learn this in grad school. You have to go for additional training. If your pelvic floor therapist does not have any experience doing internal work through Herman and Wallace or the APTA, they're doing you a disservice. Notice the hesitation there because I didn't want to step on any toes, but I'm going to fucking say it. They're doing you a disservice. Even if you waive the internal part of the exam, your pelvic floor therapist should know how to do an internal exam because that's part of the fucking job. We learn so much through those institutions on how to do that and what we're looking for and what pelvic health entails. Or if you're suffering from something like prolapse, I want you to see a therapist who actually knows what the fuck they're talking about. And if I'm stepping on toes, it is what it is. I said what I said. I stand by what I said. I have no tolerance for fuckery in this realm. None. Because it's bad enough that people are getting, I'm going on a soapbox, but it's bad enough that people are getting gaslit by the medical world. And we'll talk a little bit about that because some of the stories I hear, I'm just like, are you fucking kidding me? And it's bad enough that you're not being given the full picture of what could potentially happen, what is happening, what your resources are. And then this leads into a cascade of things like feeling like you're broken, like your body betrayed you, like you don't recognize your body anymore, you're afraid to use your body. So then you stop doing the things you love when you could be learning how to navigate that body and how to rehabilitate that body and how to protect that body and how to build resilience in that body so that you can continue doing the things you love. Instead of at the age of 35 being like, well, fuck my life because I just had a baby and now I have a prolapse and I can never work out again. I can't lift again. I can't run again. My active life is over. I just have to do gentle walks and some chair yoga. And that is so far from the case. It's not even funny. So long-winded intro with a lot of salt added to it. Your girl's in a mood about this topic. We're talking all about prolapse today, what it is, what happens during it, and what your actual resources and treatment options are. I apologize in advance because I feel that, and this might just be my interpretation of how I come across, I feel that sometimes I might come across as being dismissive or not recognizing that if you are suffering from something like prolapse, 
not recognizing outright that this is super scary and you're very um, apprehensive about doing things. And I recognize that. And so I don't mean to come across as like, oh, prolapse is no big deal. I think that because of what I know and because of what I've seen and who I've helped, it seems to me like I want to explore that conservative piece first because I do know that it's super, super effective. And in doing so, I might give the wrong message. So if it sounds like that to you, I apologize in advance. I do not intend for that to be the case. I tread carefully with my words. Sometimes I mess up because I'm a human. So I apologize if that's the case, but I don't want it to come across as such. So for shits and giggles, I always, when I'm coming out with a podcast episode, I like to throw the topic into Google when it's anything pelvic health centric, just to see what kind of fuckery is given and then I can squash some of those if they're myths and what have you. So when I googled prolapse, the first blurb that popped up in bold letters, it was bolded and huge. It said the biggest cause of prolapse is pregnancy and birth. And that's scary shit. Like your body is going through so much through pregnancy and birthing a human. Now you have to worry about prolapse on top of it. And that can be really scary. And a lot of people aren't even told that prolapse can be a consequence of giving birth, which is crazy to me. And then I try to look up statistics on this and I saw I wasn't getting like a um, I couldn't find consistent consistency within the percentage in regard to what's the percentage of postpartum people who experience prolapse. And the ranges went anywhere from 35% to 50% of postpartum people have some type of prolapse. And 50% is pretty significant, I think we can all say. But even I feel like 35% is pretty significant. And a lot of people are not told this when they're pregnant or postpartum. And I think that is negligent because you should be knowing what the potential, I don't want to say risks, but the, the potential, would you call it a side effect? I don't know. The potential outcomes of birthing a human, you should know that one of them is prolapse and what it feels like and what it is and to be on the lookout so that it doesn't seem as scary that when you go for your six-week postpartum checkup, they're like, oh, by the way, you have a prolapse. So I'm throwing that out there. So that's, it's a pretty high percentage, but we also have to think about what's going on behind the scenes in your body in order for this prolapse to happen. So we have to look at the pelvic floor and the core, like the musculoskeletal stuff, how your muscles are performing. If you had stuff going on before you became pregnant in regard to your pelvic floor that went unaddressed. And then also we have to keep in the back of our brains that when you're going, when you're pregnant, pregnancy with the hormones and just the physiology of housing a human in your uterus and supporting that human while it grows, pregnancy exacerbates the risk of prolapse because it's stressed onto an already stressed structure if you had pelvic floor issues going on behind the scenes prior to getting pregnant. But regardless of whether that was a thing, you're still stressing structures during pregnancy that affect the pelvic floor and vice versa. So this is why 
prolapse is more common in postpartum people versus people who are not postpartum. And I feel that I really do believe that a lot of people, especially vagina owners, are dealing with pelvic floor dysfunction or pelvic floors that don't have the best conditioning in general. And we've been told to believe that like a little bit of leaking is normal when you exercise and sneeze and it's just, you know, a downside of having a vagina and all this stuff like pain with sex is normal. We're, we're, we've normalized all of this. So when it's happening, even before getting pregnant, a blip on your radar, those issues are going unaddressed. So you have a structure that already needs a little bit of TLC and conditioning, and then you're putting extra stress on it by becoming pregnant and then birthing an actual human on an already stressed structure. So if we think about this, that's kind of like, you say you tore your ACL and then you can you can walk, you can jog, let's go run a marathon. So your ACL is already torn, it's already stressed, and then you're going to put an endurance demand on it with a marathon. So you're already stressing a stressed and injured structure. The same goes for the pelvic floor. It's a muscle group like every other muscle group in your body. It's just in an unconventional place. So while pregnancy itself and giving birth itself, those do stress your pelvic floor, I really feel that a lot of people have pelvic floor issues going on behind the scenes that pregnancy exacerbates. And this is why it might seem like more of a big deal when you're postpartum and these things are happening. So that's just a little something to keep in the back of your brain. This is also why I encourage people who, even if you have no intentions on getting pregnant and having a baby and you have pelvic floor stuff going on, it's common for this to happen. It shouldn't be happening and there's something we can do about it. So pelvic floor issues do not only happen in pregnant and postpartum people. And that's why I push that narrative so often because you deserve better. And then all of that being said, you don't have to have been pregnant or given birth in order to be at risk for prolapse. And that sounds scary. I don't mean it for it to sound like that. But like, especially if you're straining, if you're bearing down with anything, like if it's happening over a period of time when you're going to the bathroom or doing heavy weightlifting or just bearing down in general, anything that's stressing your pelvic floor and the organs that the pelvic floor is supporting, anytime you're stressing those structures with a lot of pressure. So bearing down, it's kind of like, I explained bearing down as if you're having a poop. So you're trying to push some poop out that's putting a lot of pressure on those organs and now your pelvic floor has to withstand that pressure plus gravity. So gravity exacerbates the situation a little bit. So if you do that over an extended period of time, and that's kind of like your go-to when you're doing hard things or you're going to the bathroom, that could potentially put you at risk for prolapse. So it's not only postpartum people who are at risk for prolapse because Actually, people with penises also could have prolapse. So it depends how you are navigating the world, how your how your pelvic floor is navigating the world, what your compensations look like if you do have any, and noting 
when to kind of like give your core and pelvic floor a little bit more TLC and attention and conditioning them well to prevent things like prolapse from happening. Okay, so what the hell is a pelvic organ prolapse? We call them POP for short. So if you ever see POP, P-O-P, written anywhere, it most likely means pelvic organ prolapse. So a prolapse is essentially when the ligaments of your pelvic organs, so your bladder, your uterus, your rectum, the ligaments of these organs may become stretched or weakened and or the pelvic floor is weakened and can't support these organs. So your ligaments are supporting these organs, your pelvic floor is supporting these organs, and for whatever reason, they can't support them very well. And we have we could have a prolapse. So during pregnancy and even somewhat postpartum, the hormones in your body are essentially allowing your muscles to become lax because people think that you're pushing a baby out with your pelvic floor. You're not. Your uterus is contracting to get the baby out if you're giving a vaginal delivery. Your pelvic floor actually needs to be flexible in order to allow your baby to come through the vaginal canal. So we, like while having a strong pelvic floor is important, we also need to have a flexible pelvic floor because again, your pelvic floor is like every other muscle group where it needs a good amount of flexibility and strength in order to perform well. So when these organs aren't the most supported, it leads to a descent in your pelvis. And it feels kind of like a heaviness. Some people describe it as like, it feels like a tampon that you've been wearing on a heavy day of your period. And it's just like sitting there and it's just hanging out and it feels heavy, like a pelvic heaviness. I don't know how else to describe that. But um, that's what it is. And then when, if you can see it, so not all types of prolapse are visible. You could, you might be just feeling it, but sometimes they are visible, visible depending on the grade. And what you're seeing is not the organ itself. It's actually your vaginal wall. So we have, if you think about your vaginal wall, this is not accurate, but I'm just going to describe it so you can visualize. Your vaginal wall is kind of like a cup and then your organs are supported by that cup. So when the organs don't have the best support, they're weighing down on that cup. Kind of like if you put a ball in a, a hammock or you sit in a hammock, you are your organ that's prolapsed. The hammock is your vaginal wall. So when if you do see something coming out of your vagina in regard to prolapse, you're seeing the hammock. You're not seeing your body or whoever sitting in the hammock. So your organs essentially are not falling out of you. And people are very afraid of this because this is the visual they get. That's not what's happening. It's your vaginal wall. I hope that's helpful and makes things less scary. That tends to help a lot of my clients when they learn that. So I thought that was really important. Um, what else? So then we let's talk about the four types of prolapse. So we talked about the organs that are sitting in there, right? So we have rectocele, which is your or your rectum that is show or is pushing down on your vaginal wall, and then your vaginal wall protrudes through your vaginal opening. We also have a cystocele, which is the most common type of prolapse, and this is when your bladder is not the best supported. We have a uterine prolapse, which is where your uterus is not the best supported. 
And then there's rectal prolapse, which can happen in people with penises and people with vaginas. So that's something to note. And this is where your rectum is actually coming or is um, not able to be supported by its ligaments or and or posterior pelvic floor. So it comes through your anus. So those are the four major common or most common types of prolapse. There's also enterocele, which is the intestines coming out. So those are things to just note in regard to what types of prolapse there are. And then I briefly mentioned before the there are grades to prolapse. So depending on how much your vaginal wall is showing through your vaginal opening, your prolapse will be graded. And it goes from type 1 to type 4, type 4 being the most severe where you'll actually see the vaginal wall coming out of your vagina. And the thing with this is that Prolapse isn't always apparent depending on time of day or position you're assuming. So it's reduced the most in the morning. So you might not feel a heaviness. You might not feel pain. And by the way, not all prolapse is accompanied by pain. So you might not have pain and you might still have a prolapse. But in the morning, you're like, I feel great. I feel, quote, normal everything feels fine. And then by the end of the day, you're like, there's that heaviness again. Why does it feel like this? This sucks. Your pelvic floor works against gravity. At the end of the day, after assuming gravity dependent positions like sitting, like standing, like doing things where you're upright all day, all of that gravity plays a a part in your pelvic floor's ability to support those organs. And then it gets tired by the end of the day, and then that's when symptoms might be most apparent. So I usually check for prolapse in, oh, and then yeah, so then that being said, sorry, I got ahead of myself, depending on your position, regardless of time of day, well, time of day sometimes plays into it, but we also want to check out your position. So if you're lying on your back all day, you're not working against gravity. Your pelvic floor doesn't have to work against gravity in order to perform efficiently. Your organs aren't weighed down by gravity as much as when you're sitting or standing. So your symptoms might feel worse in standing or sitting up or doing something versus when you're lying on your back. So when I check for prolapse, I do it both with my client lying down on their back and then sometimes that will show the prolapse. It doesn't always, I have, I, I'm like trying to think of people. I think I've had two people where it's shown in that position and then if it's not shown and my client is concerned about prolapse, I will have a mirror under her and they'll be standing kind of like their legs are open and the mirror is under them and then I'll have them squat and we check for prolapse that way because this is this is getting the trifecta, right? We're against gravity. We're adding movement and the position changed. And then sometimes, depending on the day, we can play with that. But that's how I do it. I feel it's the most effective. We get the, mo- the most answers doing it that way. And if you are bringing this up to your MD or your OBGYN and they're refusing to check you in standing... Uh, advocate for yourself. Make them check you in standing. I don't know why anybody wouldn't. It literally takes five seconds 
they're being dismissive you're not always going to find a prolapse lying down and that's I don't mean that to scare anybody but you like you have to advocate for yourself and the more information you know the more in control you feel over your own body so if you absolutely feel like you have a prolapse I feel like you you definitely need to be checked in both standing and lying down if you try to look up information on this online, it's oftentimes blamed on something like a weak pelvic floor. Of course, because everything's a weak pelvic floor. This is why these sites are recommending Kegels. But again, if you've been hanging out with me, you know that Kegels are not all of it. So your weakness in your pelvic floor I actually have a client now who is popping up in my brain. Your weakness might not be a pure weakness. It might be weak because it doesn't have the range of motion and the flexibility in order to perform through its full range of motion, which in turn creates that weakness or contributes to that weakness, I should say. So if you're kegling on top of a muscle group that's tight and doesn't understand how to relax and how to gain flexibility so I can perform through a full range of motion if you're kegling on top of that it's going to be at worst make your symptoms feel worse or at best be a waste of your time so this is why kegels are not the be-all end-all even in regard to things like prolapse and your pelvic floor weakness could be from a tightness issue so just kegling and hoping it goes away is not going to be your your answer and when places like this website I was talking about earlier are putting kegels down as the only exercise to do or else you need surgery or a pessary it's bullshit because if you don't need kegels and if you need them and you're not doing them well which you probably aren't if you don't need that or you're not doing them the correct way it's not going to afford you anything and then you're made to think that you have to live with a device or you have to get a, an invasive surgery or something. And again, I'm not downplaying either pessaries or surgery because sometimes they're very much needed. But as a first course of action and as something to just accept without trying to figure out what's going on inside of your body and how it works, that's very, very negligent. So let's go over treatment options. So you heard me mention pessaries so these are helpful sometimes in moderate to severe cases of prolapse like that like three ish to type or to grade four type of prolapse where the your vaginal wall is actually coming out of your vagina pessaries are fitted by your md and you put them in your vaginal canal to essentially support the organ itself and then i mentioned surgery as well, which that's sometimes warranted too. The thing with both of these is that they're not getting to the root of what's happening. So even if a pessary is appropriate for you, even if surgery is appropriate for you, you still need to get to the root issue of why this might be happening. So we need to look at things like what it like how do you handle intra abdominal pressure are you holding your breath when you're doing hard stuff do you know how to coordinate that with your abs and your pelvic floor how 
strong is your pelvic floor? How flexible is your pelvic floor? How strong are your abs? How flexible is your lower back? How strong is your lower back? How flexible and mobile are your hips? How strong are they? How are your like the mobility of your entire body? What's happening everywhere? What do your feet look like? All of this plays into how your pelvic floor is performing. So just sticking a device up in your your vagina to support the wall and in turn support the organ, it's helpful for now, it's helpful for symptoms, but it's not getting to the root cause of why this happened. Same thing with surgery. And again, like this isn't meant to scare you, but I have met so many clients who have had like a mesh surgery and it fails because we didn't get to the root cause of why that surgery was needed. So undergoing a surgery is essentially a band-aid fix if you're not going after the root cause of why that surgery was needed. Okay. Um, And then another option, like this is a side note. I'm looking at my notes here and it just, it pisses me off just reading it. One of the options through this well-known institution was taking a wait and see approach. So my deal with this is at the best, your prolapse doesn't get worse, right? You have a small prolapse. It's a grade one. It doesn't get worse over time. Cool. The, the aesthetic isn't getting worse. It's staying where it's at. However, The mechanisms behind the cause of that organ prolapse are still there because you never learned any better, right? So I think it's really dangerous to just be like, the severity of your prolapse is just based on what it looks like. If it's just a type one, your vaginal wall isn't showing, you're good to go. Let's just wait and see what happens. Dude, there's a reason why that happened in the first place. Why are we not addressing that? That's my that's my concern as a pelvic health specialist. I want to make sure that you're not holding your breath with things and that you know how to coordinate that breath when you're doing hard stuff. I want to make sure that your pelvic floor is strong and flexible. I want to make sure that your deep abs are strong. I want to make sure that your back is flexible and strong. I want to make sure that your hips are flexible and strong. I want to make sure that your feet know what it means to ground. I want to make sure that you're not clenching anything when you're doing stuff. I want to make sure that you can pass your poops without straining and turning purple and having veins pop out. I don't really, and again, I don't mean sound dismissive. I don't care what your prolapse looks like at the end of the day. I don't. I want to prevent anything else from happening. I want to protect that part of your body as best I can by tackling all the elements that are contributing to it. I hope that makes sense. That same institution that I was talking about, this place made me rage so hard on a Monday. It was not even funny. One of their male uh, urogynecologists put in his two cents, and I'm going to read this quote from him. Pelvic floor physical therapy can provide a benefit to relieve symptoms, but it is unlikely to substantially improve the prolapse itself. What a load of fucking garbage. 
there are many cases where the prolapse itself has reduced with pelvic floor therapy. So I don't know where this person's getting his information from, probably because we prevent surgeries from happening and it takes money out of his pocket, but this is such a load of garbage. Surgery itself takes care of the symptoms. It doesn't address the main problem. Pessaries, same thing. If you're not doing some form of pelvic floor rehab, in addition to those interventions, if you need them, you're doing yourself a disservice. Your doctors are doing you a disservice by not giving you this information and telling you that this is a viable option and actually a necessary option for you that can really, really add quality to your life. And I get really heated about this because there's no reason for it to be 2023 and we're still gatekeeping resources for people. So just so you know, I, I think all states at this point in the United States have what's called direct access for physical therapy where you can see a physical therapist for a certain amount of time depending on your state without a doctor's referral or an MD's referral. And if you're using insurance, sometimes there are insurance blocks with this depending on your policy, but it is an option for you. So just just know your options. That's what I encourage for everyone. And if you're looking to prevent like things like this, if you've never learned how to engage your deep core or learn how to make your pelvic floor flexible or thought about incorporating your breath into these types of things, I have my Beyond Kegels mini course. This is totally virtual. It's do it yourself on your own time. It's 30% off through April 9th. And then we also have the next installment of Finally Floored coming up as well. And Finally Floored, I've tweaked it. This is my third year launching it, which is crazy to me. But I've tweaked it based on past participants' input. And it's now six weeks. It's a six-week total body conditioning program. We start with the basics of your core and pelvic floor. And then we build outward to encompass a total body mobility, strength, stability, endurance program unlike anything you've ever done before all with a core and a pelvic floor focus. And that's opening at the end of the month, but the interest list is available now. So if you're on there, you get $100 off the program and then you can sign up before I release it to the public. All of that information is going to be in my show notes. So we have Beyond Kegels and we have Finally Floored. I'll put the link to the mailing list as well. So this will all be in one link and grab whatever resources you need send me any questions that you have. I hope this was helpful and I hope this cleared up some questions that you had in regard to something that sounds really scary like prolapse that you're not being given resources or information that you need. So any questions, please reach out to me and that's what I got for you today. So thank you so much again for hanging out with me in this corner of the podcast world. And I will see you next time on the next episode of Finally Fearless. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go.